Okay. So welcome, finally. <laughs> oh, okay. And just so there's a record of it, I uh, sent a letter of transfer to Alturas Mennonite Church this past week for uh, Sister Bethany Martin Mast. So her membership will be going that way. I probably won't remember to tell you when it actually happens, but uh, it's, it's in process. So. Thank you. All right, you may turn with me to Psalm 51. We're familiar with the psalm probably. It was one David wrote after his affair with Bathsheba and, and the sin involved and all of that. And I know I've preached on it before, but I want to go a little different different direction than uh, sometimes at least. The title this morning is Roots and Fruits of Holiness from Psalm 51. <laughs> Roots and Fruits of Holiness in Psalm 51. Well, let's read it to start. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly, thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. And I don't know how your Sunday school class went, but those last number of verses made me think a little of ours, talking about sacrifices. All right, roots and fruits of holiness. We're going to talk about some roots, and then we're going to talk about some fruits. We tend to think of holiness as uh, purity, and it is, but the word is probably signifies quite a bit. Well, does signify quite a bit more than that. It it signifies being set apart to God. It's related to that word sanctify. They they all come from the same roots. And uh, 
And once you get set apart to God and you get close to him, well, you will be pure. <laughs> God's presence is holy. It's fully, completely, no shadow of turning like God is. That's what holiness is. Uh, some have spelled it with an H even, wholeness. And I kind of like that. No shadow of turning wholly committed to God. Well, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about holiness, partly. We're wholly His. Holiness is a, a God-focused desire. You see a desire in this psalm that uh, I think is part of David's holiness. Well, all right. Just three simple points to start with. A life of holiness proceeds out of a truthful heart. By the way, these three points came out of Paul Reed's Bible a number of years ago, in case y'all wondered. <laughs> Just have this, remember that. <clears throat> a life of holiness proceeds out of a truthful heart. And I'm thinking about verses 1 to 6, particularly verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. So David wrote this, he was a powerful king, he'd received great promises from God, he had a close relationship with God, he knew what truth was. <laughs> he wrote psalms, he served God, he loved God, but he sinned. He, he saw that woman, another man's wife, he purposely went and committed adultery, not something he just happened to slip into. And, and I know, we look at David and we wonder, how in the world could you get to that place, David? Well, one thing, he got away from truth in his heart. He went on, he arranged for her husband to be killed in battle. He was king, he could do it, he did do it. But his heart was far from truth, he forgot, well, I don't know if he forgot, that God sees everything, knows everything. I'm sure he would have said he knew that. But he forgot that God requires truth in the inward parts. And the Bible simply says, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. A long way from truth, a long way from holiness. So we know the story. God sent Nathan to David. David. Nathan tells David this little story. And David being the good king that he was, he says, that man shall die. And, of course, Nathan says, thou art the man. Nathan brought truth to bear on David, reminded him that things weren't right inside, that truth wasn't there like it should be. And we know David saw it immediately, he repented, he saw the truth and he embraced it. And during that time he wrote this psalm and you, you read these first few verses and do you hear the most powerful king of that whole area speaking? The most powerful nation around? Or do you hear the voice of one who is unholy and knows it? 
coming back to God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Truth in the inner man has something to do with God, <laughs> that thou mightest be clear when thou speakest. David wasn't concerned at this point totally about himself anymore. He was concerned about God and what he'd done to God's name. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, now I see it, now I remember. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So David, by speaking the truth about himself, by confessing, we call it, which is what confession is, saying the same thing God says about ourselves, found forgiveness. He found his way back to God. He found his way back to a right relationship. He found his, his way back to joy. He found his way back to, I guess we could say, wholeness again, where things were right between him and God, and he felt okay, <laughs> more than okay. But anyway, back to wholeness. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 8 and 9. We usually quote verse 9, but you really need verse 8 too. Truth in the inward man means recognizing that, that, that by myself I'm not truthful. Left to myself... I will not do truth. I will not let truth control me. I need the Lord. And then to live in denial of our sin is to block ourselves from forgiveness. The same thing David experienced. And so God calls us to confess our sin like David did, to say the same thing God says, to see ourselves as God sees us, just weak little humans who are sinful on our own. Without him, we have no, <laughs> we don't have a chance. Have truth in the inward parts. Truth in the inward parts, it, it goes further than that, though. It means, well, like Proverbs says, keep Guard thy heart with all diligence, Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Be careful what you allow in your heart. Be careful how you allow yourself to think. Not everything that we think, that we are inclined to think, is truthful. That is, it's not in accordance with God's truth. And I'm not talking about thinking about events and, and lying, I'm talking about the truth of God's word brought to bear in my heart on the way I think, what I think about others, the way I think about others, the way I relate to them, the way I let my emotions lead me into thinking wrong thoughts, those kind of things, that's all against truth. So 
Truth in the inward parts has to do with keeping our heart, being aware of our motivations, being aware of our thoughts, <laughs> making sure they are God-pleasing. Remember what God said or what the, the Old Testament said about David, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Truth in the inward parts is interested in pleasing God. Trying to make sure that our, our choices, our actions, our words, our thoughts, our loves are pleasing to God. That they're based upon truth. Then we're whole. Then we'll be holy. So a life of holiness proceeds out of a truthful heart. Truth in the inward parts. A life of holiness, secondly, then proceeds out of a cleansed heart. And some of these could be using the whole psalm, but I'm thinking about verses 7 to 12 right now. When we come to God with a truthful heart, he can cleanse us. And I'm not talking about a one-time thing. I'm talking about a daily coming to God, living with God continually so that he can keep cleansing us. We need the blood of Jesus. We needed it to get saved. We did. We need it today to keep us clean. We need to keep coming. So verse 7, hyssop, purge me with hyssop. They used hyssop for the Old Testament cleansing rites. Wash me. Make me whiter than snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, I think that's Isaiah 1. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. For them, a little branch of hyssop and some blood gave them the freedom of conscience they needed. Well, no, it wasn't exactly the, the, the hyssop and the blood itself. It was the way they came and the action of doing it and all of that. For us, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Verse 8. This was something David lost through his sins. He was no longer joyful. He was no longer glad. I don't know if he noticed. I bet you he didn't write any psalms during that nine-month time. <laughs> you reckon? Or maybe it was some of those awful ones. But anyway. Uh, Make me to know joy and gladness. The guilt bore down on him that the bones which thou hast broken, the idea is crushed, may rejoice. Just weighed down under this, that I may have relief from this pain, this guilt. Psalm 32, a similar psalm, he says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Verse 9, David had some idea of God's holiness. <laughs> Hide your face. I can't bear you looking on my sins. Blot them out. Lord, if thou should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? That's uh, Psalm 130. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, 
Oh, Lord, who shall stand? He knew he needed forgiveness. But there's more than just cleansing here. When we talk about cleansing, we're talking about creation. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Recreation for us, I guess we would say. David had, a, I guess, a New Testament, somewhat of a New Testament relationship with the Lord, too, I think. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, he didn't have the Holy Spirit the same way we do, but he knew the Lord. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so the Apostle Paul tells us, believers, already believers, to put on the new man. Keep putting on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Renewed day by day. It's a phrase you find a couple times in the New Testament. Newly being renewed, recreated, even maybe. And verse 11 helps us out. Cast me not away from thy presence. Know God. I want to know you, Lord. I want to be with you, Lord. Live in his presence. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou sent. Thou hast sent. John 17, 3. The important verse. This is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Knowing him. Walking and talking with him. Him living in you. You in him. It's all part of this cleansed heart and keeping it cleansed. Letting him speak to your heart through his word, through your conscience, through others, recognizing his presence with you all the time. You don't have to stop and pray to talk to the Lord. You can pray to him while you're driving down the road, while you're walking down the hall, while you're mowing the yard, whatever you're doing. He's right there with you. Just read through uh, the Kings, or I haven't got through quite yet, but I noticed this phrase four times. Elijah said it twice, and Elisha said it twice. As the Lord liveth before whom I stand. As the Lord liveth before whom I stand. Do you stand before the Lord? Are you in his presence? That's the idea I got when I read that. And verse 10 keeps going. Or no, verse 11. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. The blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God himself coming and living in us. That cleans us up. It will keep us clean if we mind the Spirit. And I was impressed because we're in Hebrews right now. But the Hebrews says this. How, and notice the Spirit's role. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood of Christ applied through the spirit, or offered through the spirit to God, takes care of cleansing us. (laughs) 
but the, the thing that, that caught my eye or that, that I, I thought about, so in Peter, you, you have it sort of coming the other way. There, there it's the offering to God. Jesus offered himself to God through the Spirit. Here in Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all turned around and coming back to us <laughs> through the Spirit again. If we're going to be clean, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to mind the Spirit. A life of holiness proceeds out of a heart cleansed and washed, made completely new in Christ, being renewed day by day in our walking with Him through the Spirit. <clears throat> And then thirdly, a life of holiness proceeds out of a humble heart. And I'm looking particularly down at verse 16 and 17. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. So God wasn't looking for sacrifices, burnt offerings. Yes, he commanded those. And we can't make ourselves holy by doing things, even good things, even right things, going down the checklist and whatever. That's not the way it works. It's a broken and a contrite heart. A humble heart comes as a direct result of truthfulness in the heart. When, when, when I look at my heart in the light of God and say, yes, I agree with what I see there, what God sees there, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be broken. And so we know what God says of us. We confess it, and he cleanses us of our sin. We know that it's not us that did it, but we know that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that awful sacrifice, that awesome love. We're not worthy of that. We know that, and that should help us to keep humble. With all our hearts, we know we're not worthy. And so holiness of life comes when we recognize that and we continue to know it we continue to realize that we're not worthy we continue to know that we need it and we continue to go to him for it and knowing all of that we we consciously refuse to let self have his way against God. Not everything that we want is wrong necessarily, but a lot of things that old self wants are. <laughs> we consciously refuse to be proud. And sometimes we even bite our tongue and don't say something that, well, it doesn't feel particularly proud, but it 
if we turned it around and listened to ourselves say it, we might think we were being proud, so we'd just bite our tongue. Or I do anyway, occasionally. <clears throat> if we have that humble heart, we guard against self-complacency, this whole thing of just getting comfortable. Because we need the continued cleansing of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Without the power of his Holy Spirit, we're just poor and weak and needy. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And so we live daily in the light of that, that great need. We aren't able to drum up our own holiness, our own goodness, our own righteousness, whatever. And if we're trying to, Paul says, you've fallen from grace. It's not something that we try to do. Oh, yes, we try to do right, but only because the Lord is in us and helping us and empowering us. And we don't see that as making us good. If I become comfortable in my present level of commitment, my present level of holiness, if I begin thinking that I can just live like other Christians live and I'll be okay I'm in trouble that relationship with the Lord Jesus dare not become cold we need to we need to uh, continue to see ourselves as he sees us stay humble without me you can do nothing nothing and, and only the heart that embraces that truth, without me you can do nothing, that is not just acknowledges it, but embraces it, because we want to do more than nothing, right? <laughs> we want to live for him. So we have to embrace it and say, Lord, I can do nothing, help me. It's only that heart that it's going to be a holy heart. It's because when we do comprehend it, when we do embrace it, we're going to go to the source. We're going to be driven to the source to get what we need. And as humans, our normal mode of thinking is that we can pretty much take care of ourselves. And we fall into that even as Christians. I can take care of my own life. Well, occasionally something big comes along and I need to pray about it. No. <laughs> doesn't work that way. We need him every moment. We're not able. We've got to have his help. We have to live that way. A humble heart. Andrew gave me an article the other day. And I've copied a little bit out of it here, a couple phrases. Uh, interesting, it was a Catholic man talking to a Baptist uh, college students. But anyway, let that be as it may. Oh, <laughs> uh, men, he's talking about Jesus on the cross, and it just struck me. Talking about humility, talking about wholeness, maybe. Men worship wealth, but on the cross, he was utterly poor, stripped naked. Wealth. Men worship pleasure, fun, 
self, whatever. But on the cross, he was at the limit of suffering, both physical and psychological. Pleasure, suffering. Men worship power. But on the cross, he was nailed in place, unable even to move. Men worship honor. But on that terrible cross, he was the object of scorn and ridicule. He emptied himself. Everything that man counts worthwhile that we in our humanity think is great or good, he emptied himself. And those who follow him, follow him. That was the Robert Barron, by the way, that said that. <clears throat> a life of holiness proceeds out of a humble heart. So let's don't lose that trustful, truthful heart. Let's never stop going to the Lord for cleansing. And let's never allow ourselves to become confident in ourselves. Let's stay humble. Those are roots of the holy life. There are others, but anyway, those are the ones here. Now let's think about the fruits a little bit. Verses 12 to 15. <clears throat> a fruit of the holy life is joy. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Joy of my salvation. A deep, swelling joy that cannot be shut down. Kind of like those rivers of living water that flow up in us when the Holy Spirit is living in us. And I thought maybe just to illustrate each of these points, I'd read a passage from elsewhere. Let's go to Isaiah 12, just a short little chapter that's full of joy. And you can go anywhere, almost anywhere in the Bible, but anyway. Isaiah 12. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anguish turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. A holy person is going to be a joyful person. need to go back to Psalm 51. And so, uh, chapter, uh, verse 12, the second part, and uphold me with thy free spirit, a free and willing spirit. And I don't know, I might be taking that one a little sideways, but it's still a result of holiness, a free and a willing spirit. And I'm using it with a small s in this case again. A holy life is not drudgery. I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to be this way, and I have to be that way. No! 
I delight to do thy will, O God. Psalm 119. Let's read a few verses at the beginning. Verses, what starts with verse 8, I think, or is it 9? We'll find out in a minute. Verse 9. This section is called Beth. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. A free and a willing spirit, one that says, I delight to do thy will, O God. Back to Psalm 51, another fruit of holiness. Verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and so the holy person will joyfully point others to their source of life. They found it, they're going to tell others about it. They want others to come to this glorious salvation. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, part of the chapter, not a lot, but part of it. We'll break in and read uh, verse 14. <coughs> for the love of Christ constraineth us, or the love of Christ compels us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, Henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. <coughs> then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Holiness, another fruit of holiness is teaching others about the Lord Jesus. Well, verse uh, 14. So, after I've been delivered from that blood guiltiness, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. And verse 15 when the Lord has opened my lips, my mouth shall show forth his praise. A holy person praises God aloud. Say it however you want. A holy person's life 
shows forth praises of God. Ephesians 1 talks about that we should be to the praise of his glory. It says it about three times in there in the first 14 verses or so. That's what we're here for. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter quoted, was it Isaiah? I think there. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light for a purpose, to show forth his praises, his virtues. And then Hebrews again. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And I won't read a scripture, any more scriptures with that one. Maybe we can sing a song after a while. <laughs> All right, 17, just mention this again, sort of in passing. Even the broken and contrite spirit, I think, is a fruit of holiness, not only a root. You can think about that one more. Think about the publican and the Pharisee that went down to the temple to pray, for example. And verses 18 and 19. The uh, scholars think that probably this was added later to, to make David's very, very personal psalm to make it apply better to worship. Could be. Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. The point here is Zion will be built and blessed when holy people are holy. The church of Jesus Christ will grow. We'll be working to build it. So, may our hearts be truthful, cleansed, humble, and let's bring God glory as a fruit of all of that. Now, Byron, I'm sure you have a song. Let's sing yours and then let's sing 346 after that out of the blue book. Thought about it in relation to receiving a couple members, but let's sing it to ourselves too.